A mighty feast of hot steaming music brought to you in stereo by bostonfreeradio.com. Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station. What's good, y'all? The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session, held down by 320 Entertainment. And we thank you once again for locking in for this award-winning series here on Boston Free Radio. Now, family, in case you sleep on an episode of the Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for an episode, say less. We got you. Check out each and every episode of The Chop Session on all digital streaming platforms. Wherever you find your podcasts, you will find The Chop Session. All y'all got to do is hit that subscribe button. And of course, we are on all fall season, Mondays, 6 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Boston Free Radio, as we are right now. And this week here on The Chop Session, you know, I say it often, one thing about them tables, they always turn. Well, this is one such example for this week's episode because my guest this week has often had me on her own uh, television shows and streaming shows over the years, but never have the tables turned where I get to interview my guest. Mm -hmm. This young lady right here who's celebrating her 10th anniversary in the industry. And let me tell you something. Boss Lady News is a brand name out here that carries a lot of respect amongst her clients, amongst her guests. And she does so much dope shit out here from broadcasting to entrepreneurship to activism to real estate. And, you know, I mean, I can go on forever about my guest this week, Britt Johnson, the boss lady. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that awesome introduction also. I was just getting started too, Britt. You know? I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you what, y'all. I have known Britt now for, I'd say, about six, seven years in the industry. And in mm-hmm. that time, Britt has become one of my dearest confidants out here. And I can't honestly pinpoint exactly where we met. I think I could. I know. But hmm. I know that over the years, we've had a lot of dope interactions. Yeah. One such interaction, actually, which is kind of interesting to me because normally you would think of our conversations on the Boss Lady News show or things like that or party situations we've been in. Yeah. We've had some some wild nights out there in the party scene. (laughs) But one day we were hanging out, actually, just a non-work thing. And in the middle of our hang time was when Facebook tried to deactivate my account. Mm Mm-hmm due to my handle, Sterling Golden. And, you know, I never got into the story of how I got over that and through that, but Mm -hmm. I actually deleted my Facebook three years ago. Okay. But I remember that one specifically because we were hanging out in the middle of it. uh, My Facebook is logged out, and they wouldn't let me back in until I provided an ID. It was really awkward. Mm -hmm. But, hey. We survived that. It's six right. years later. Here we That's are. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. But, Brett, how are you? Welcome. I'm well. I'm well. And 
Yeah, you know, when you chose to leave Facebook, that was interesting because um, a slew of people had actually left Facebook and for a good purpose. And even now, you know, Facebook's continuously coming under fire for one thing or another. Yeah. But um, staying in contact, right? Staying in communication with each other, with friends, with family, and with associates and, and co colleagues is why social media is so awesome, right? But they forget that if you have my number, just call me. That's the thing I have to remind <laughs> people in my circle as well is it's not necessarily, you know, Facebook being the one and only form of communication, mm -hmm. you know, it's also the fact that y'all forget, you know, you have my phone number, right? You have my, you know, you can text me, you can DM me on the gram, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, if all you saw in me as a Facebook account, then I guess it didn't make much impact on you, did I? Right. That's right. how I look at it, you know? Right. But yeah, I left Facebook three years back. I wasn't agreeing with how uh, the Zuck was running things, and now he's doing all this wacky meta shit and all that stuff that's out yeah. there. So if you're still on Facebook out there, good luck. Right, okay. understanding the algorithm. And, and at the end of the day, realizing <laughs> that social media um, for the corporate end is all about business, right? It's all about the of dollars. Course. Of course. And for me... You know, one of my passions is understanding financial um, habits, I like to say. I hate saying financial literacy. Right. Because I don't believe that people are illiterate to finances. I think it's habits that we haven't had a chance to really build on and understand how they work. Yes. But Facebook is a business. I mean, very much so. Mm -hmm. I mean, undeniably, it's a business. You know, it became, for many years, the dominant social media platform Many will argue that still is, although I think uh, platforms like Instagram, which I'm aware, you know, Zuckerberg bought that one too. I'm well aware of it. And it's constantly glitching out mm -hmm, on us mm -hmm. these days. We had, what, an eight-hour outage on Instagram? Yes, but and have you heard of Fanbase? Let's talk about Fanbase. Yes. So I love Fanbase. And the funny thing is, this is the only um, <clears throat> social media owned by a person of color. And what's really cool about them is their main focus is as opposed to how Facebook runs it and it's mostly about um, the the businesses that want to buy ads. Right. It's more of a if you have content and you have followers, they can they can like your stuff, but they can also send you money. So you're the content creator and you create your own income based off of how much content you put out and how much people are liking and sending you money. So where a lot of people use their Facebook to build their business, Fanbase makes you that business already and gives you a platform to sell your content. The preceding program was a paid advertisement for <laughs> Fanbase. But thank you. And no joke, I will look into Fanbase. Yes. It's very similar to Bego. Yes. But I really like fan base because, um, again, you know, another person of color uh, ran business and just really encouraging more people to give businesses of color an opportunity and yes. and try them out. You know, certainly if you don't like it. Let it go. Absolutely. You know, but <laughs> one thing we don't want to let go of right now is this week's episode. We're going to get into uh, Britt Johnson's story and situation here this week on the chop session. Now, mm -hmm. I think. 
looking right now at your 10-year run out here. So let's talk about it. Oof. Let's begin in, tw- in 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay, 2011. I know that uh, I was in one part of my own career, DJing in the clubs and mm-hmm. having ups and downs with that. But meanwhile, there's Britt Johnson starting up the Boss Lady News brand. So let's talk about the creation of Boss Lady News and why you got into uh, creating content, digital media, and so forth. Yeah. So I always say, and I'm not into like really saying things like this, but I was walking by this building after um, starting to understand how YouTube worked and you can be a content creator. And uh, my first intro to um, creating my own content was Brit's Black Reality on YouTube. And I think I did that for like, I don't know, a few months when I moved into my new place in Roxbury. And I was walking down the street, um, going to get something to eat. (laughs) And I walked past this building and I swear to you, like a person, and I like to say maybe it was an angel, but they said, go inside that building. And I went, I rang the doorbell and I went inside and I'm like, hi, you know, who are you guys and what do you do here? And they're like, well, we're Access TV. So community residents are able to have a production and create content here. And I'm like, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where it all started. So um, from doing that, you know, getting the training and really deciding, like, what is my content going to be about and realizing that there's not enough opportunity to highlight um, residents that do business, that do events, that are, um, you know, quote unquote, local celebrities and giving them a platform for that. Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. so. Can we still see some of the old uh, Brits Black reality? You know, I don't know. It should still be on YouTube somewhere. Yes. Well, if y'all are perusing the tube of you, <laughs> look for Brits Black reality mm-hmm. and give us your thoughts on it because this is Brits' original content. Yes. Prior to Boss Lady News. Yes. Full disclosure, y'all. This today was the first I ever heard of Brits Black reality. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. it was so random, but I was like, I want to, so I used to model and as I got older, I'm like, okay, am I going to stay as a model or am I going to somehow be a part of the industry in a different way? And I thought to myself, actors can age, models can't. Tell us about your modeling career real quick. Yeah, so... Modeling, I had to find a lot of my own gigs. So I did modeling with Boston Casting. I did modeling with um, Dynasty, you know, all of the typical Boston areas. Right. And porque yo hablar español también, I speak Spanish also, I found an agency called Latina. Yes. And what was really cool was um, I was that token black girl that they didn't have any. <laughs> so, oh, man. so I got to be in every fashion show because they wanted someone to be able to represent people in the audience or potential buyers for the designers. And I modeled for such a long time. I started training models. So it was really fun and great opportunity to meet people, meet different people from everywhere. Because what was cool about Latina Modeling Agency was they had um, a, mostly Spanish-speaking models, but they did come from different countries that spoke Spanish. What did you take away from your modeling career and how do you apply it to what you do today? What I took away from the modeling career was really create your own opportunities. That's right. Yeah. If there's no door... Build a door. 
when you create your own opportunity to create your own momentum. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did here. Yes. 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 You know, I can tell you also that uh, just having, you know, met Britt in the boss lady days early on, mm-hmm. it was obvious that you had that prior career because to this day, if you follow Britt Johnson on social media, <laughs> he's still can strike a main pose. Thank you. you, know, you know, I mean, she still got that in her. Mm-hmm. You know, you you never leave that. You know, once a model, always a model, in some form <laughs> or another, because you'd never forget how to strike a mean pose. Right. You know? <laughs> and to this day, I can tell you all, Britt Johnson, you know, she still got it. <laughs> Thank you. No question about it. I'm blushing. <laughs> Are you now? Well, I'll tell you this, okay? I don't, again, I'm still struggling to remember where we first met, mm-hmm. you know, but I want to say it was at some fashion event. I think so. I feel like maybe you might have been DJing and hosting, and I, I that has to have been it because you DJ Sterling Golden. Was it Bijou in Boston? I was in so many places. It might have been Bijou. It might have been Bijou. I DJed and hosted an event there late 2014, and I met... Possibly you that night. I first met a couple of other folks for the first time that night. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, in my memory, I keep thinking that it was Bijou. I think it might have been. Because yeah. that would make sense. <laughs> that would definitely make sense. Certainly would, you know. And I could tell you now also, y'all, that uh, Britt has come such a long way. Thank you. From that time. And we're going to cover all of that now through the hour here on the CHOP session. And uh, in case you're just joining us right now, this is the CHOP session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston, the free radio. We are with Britt Johnson this week of Boss Lady News. In case you sleep on an episode of the CHOP session or you lock in late, say less, we got you. Check out each and every episode of the CHOP session on all digital streaming platforms. Wherever you find your podcasts, hit that subscribe button. And you're locked in to find every episode to date of the CHOP sessions, such as this one airing right now on Boston Free Radio. Yes. So from Brits Black Reality to mm-hmm. modeling, we now get into Boss Lady News. Yes. How did it come about? So Boss Lady News, first people always ask me, like, what is Boss Lady News? Is it like a Boston lady? <clears throat> and um, actually, I'm pretty bossy. <laughs> I will attest to that. Yeah. And when people first meet me, it's um they're either meeting me in boss mode or they're meeting me in this very reserved kind of laid back chill mode. And so some people that are like, oh, I know Britt. She's really cool. But they've never seen me in like boss mode in there. Some people might be like, yo, she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a good bitch, though. That's right. Okay. Get things done. Exactly. <laughs> you are a bitch, but I love you for it. That's right. <laughs> okay. It's a it's a redeeming quality, you guys. Don't yes. be do not be intimidated by a bitch. And don't feel bad if you are a bitch. See, I am so comfortable knowing Brit and talking to Brit. I can say this freely. She can call me an asshole. I'll t- I'll, I'll say thank you. Yes. You know. And I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> yes, you are a bad bitch, but. That being said, continue, please. Yes. So um, Boss Lady really is um, being comfortable within myself and knowing that 
I can be the boss that presents every other business. So encouraging people, being the boss of other people. So come to the show, you know, tell me about your business. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you do. Tell me about your event. Or now tell me about your real estate. Tell me about your passions for real estate. And I'm here to highlight that. And you do it well, Brett. Thank you know, you. you've been on this platform now for a number of years, you know, and you've had some amazing guests throughout that time. I got to be one of them. Yeah. You know, but I want to hear more about some of your more memorable guests and experiences you've had in the Boss Lady News yeah. outfit. Yeah. So um, I'll probably have to bounce around with some of the guests, but one of the most amazing guests that I can say I've had on and, and, you know, thinking back, like when, where, how do I even make these connections? But, um, for those who might not know, Austin Brown. I know him well. Yes. So Austin Brown, um, I had a chance to meet him because I was working with, um, Sydney Devon <clears throat> and Cool TV and we, um, put together an event and it was in Brockton. It was the Brockton Fair, but it was the concert after or the concert before. So um, backtrack on who is Austin Brown. Austin Brown's mom is Rebe Jackson. And Rebe Jackson is the beautiful older sister of Michael, Janet, Tito, and the rest of them. <laughs> okay, LaToya, <laughs> all of them. And yes. Rebe's the first. So... Um, you know, getting a chance to meet Austin Brown and really hear him talk more about his parents and his family. And a lot of people don't even know his dad. Right. Yeah. And his dad was a musician and Rebe actually was not in the music industry. Right. Um, so really kind of getting to know him and then hearing his music, he's got an amazing voice and he's very like, he plays the piano, he plays the guitar. Right. He's a musician as well as a singer. Yeah. And I feel like it was really cool to experience uh, a true musician that comes from such a historical family, but he's really <clears throat> not pushing his family because he's very talented himself. Yes. So he is Austin Brown. Oh, yes. Austin Brown, I met him. Good man. Mm -hmm. Talented man, mm -hmm. you know, and certainly a name that I find synonymous with Britt Johnson and Boss Lady News based on the content y'all have created right. over the years. Yes. You yes. know, so definitely that's a name to look out for. If you don't know the name Austin Brown. Yes. He's one to look for. One to look for. Absolutely. Another really cool interview that <clears throat> I had um, was, so Stephen Sticks Josie who is from the Boston area, uh, travels between Massachusetts and Atlanta uh, and California yeah. a lot um, because he's he went from Dorchester, Roxbury resident, you know, hardcore 90s living, you know, growing up in the hood. And now and then he transitioned into made men. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with Made Ben, it's uh, Antonio Ansaldi is really well known for that. Also, uh, one of the gentlemen that was on um, Love and Hip Hop <clears throat> was in Made Men. And so was uh, Sticks, Stephen Sticks Josie. And now he's an actor. Excellent. 
Yeah, he's an actor, he's a writer, he uh, produces his own films, and um, Angels Among Us is one of the movies that he wrote, produced, and starred in. So, and then seeing him continuing to do more, and then seeing him grow his network in that that film industry is just really cool to see. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, another uh, young lady that I got a chance to meet was um, Rebecca Zama. Oh, yes. Yes, Rebecca Zama. I could go on all day about Rebecca Zama. She's so beautiful, first yes, of all. Yes, she is. Yes. Um, Haitian singer, songwriter. She's got such a beautiful soul. Um, I had a chance to work with her because, again, so where I did modeling, I would right. sometimes get pulled in to teach modeling or um, stage presence to people. Yes. So Rebecca was in one of the classes, and uh, just hearing her sing was like angelic once again. Certainly. So that was really cool. And most people don't realize how much of an, a music industry and entertainment industry Boston actually is. Yeah. You know, especially New England in general, you have people like Conan O'Brien, who's from here. Yes. You have um, Jimmy Fallon. I believe he's from here. Correct, yeah. You've got the Wahlbergs that <laughs> are from here. Absolutely. Bobby Brown. I mean, you, the the people that have come out of Boston in the music industry is vast and and the entertainment industry, right? Certainly. Is vast. But what happens is people don't get the recognition here in Boston. They don't get highlighted. They don't get featured. They don't get that platform. It's unfortunate. So they move someplace else where they know they're going to get it. For example, Bia. Right. Okay. Bia, you know, had to go national Mm -hmm. to get her name out there. Mm -hmm. And now Bia... You know, is sought after, mm-hmm. big names, selling places out, mm-hmm. doing collabs with Nicki Minaj, among others. That's right. You know, and Bia did this after leaving mm-hmm. Boston. In fact, recently, I, I mentioned this on our previous episode with Ishan, how she kind of called people out for how they don't support their own. Right, right. You know? And kind of rather than support their own, they get mad at their own. Mm-hmm. Even though we all have the same 24 hours, it can do the same shit mm-hmm. if we so desire to, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, yeah. good example, though, you know what I mean? But, I mean, have you ever seen yourself taking Boss Lady News National? Ooh. So that opportunity has presented itself a couple times. Yeah. And the reason um, I chose not to take that and I really hold, you know, Boss Lady News as as my baby, one of my babies. Um because I don't want to relinquish any control as of right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a strong factor for me. Um who I'm interviewing, um, what messages I might be sending during my breaks, what organizations or businesses or nonprofits that I'm networking with, I don't want a national hold to start requiring certain um, things that I might not believe in. And that's why I haven't uh, really considered taking that step into the national realm. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it's a big reason for myself why I haven't done more mainstream outlets i don't mm-hmm. want to give up that creative freedom right you know because once you go national yo you give up so much mm-hmm. because you basically become 
the cog in a bigger machine. Theirs, yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's one thing Britt does not want to do. Nope. One thing I don't want to do. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand that, you know. So from Boss Lady News, there's been so many other platforms you have taken on and mm-hmm. other hustles you've taken on on the yes. side. Yes. So let's go through a few of those right now. For example, being a public speaker. Yes. Okay. Now, how did you get involved in public speaking? <laughs> so when I went to college, um, there was an elective that I needed to take. And I have always been in the you know industry and, and I went to school for two things. I went to school for fashion merchandising and I went to school for business management. So since I was going to school for fashion merchandising, my professor said, why don't you take this public speaking course? And I was like, hmm, I don't really know about that. And she's like, but you always tend to voice your opinion in class. So, you know, I'd really like to see you challenge yourself and take this public speaking class. So I did. And um, what people might not know about me is I had my first child and around 18, 19. And it didn't stop me. Well, it stopped me for a little while going to school so I could take care of my baby. And then um, I was also a Big Brother, Big Sister program member, which uh, Sheena Collier from Boston Wild Black. That's how I met her. Nice. And as a little sister, my big sister was like, you're going back to school. You're going to get your degree. So I did, and I graduated from Fisher College, and that's where I took my public speaking course. Yes. (laughs) And um, my challenge was – and actually, I won this competition at the end of the class – was to do my speech in front of everyone on whatever topic I chose. Right. And, you know, normally with public speaking, you have your cue cards and you have the this and you have, you know, your format of what you're talking about. And I speak so naturally that my cue cards were throwing me off. That makes sense. So during my portion of the competition for the the public speaking class, I threw my cue cards to the floor and I just went off of memory and conversation. Yeah. And I guess they loved that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I won and I came, you know, top of my class. And um, I think it's so unexpected because when they, when, when professors or, you know, elite or corporate people meet uh, people who are coming from low income families or coming from the hood, they really don't expect that someone can excel with all of the challenges. And oftentimes we can prove them wrong. This is true. And I also understand from Fisher College, you had a BA uh, focused in business management. Yes. And fashion merchandising. Yes. Okay. You know, and you've taken those degrees and you've done such amazing shit from there. You know, <laughs> I mean, not just public speaking, but also working with real estate and other different types of platforms we're getting into mm-hmm. throughout this broadcast. But when it comes to public speaking, I want to know from you, what has been your best your most memorable public speaking engagement so far to date for you? Hmm. My most memorable public speaking so far. Hmm. Well, I would say 
anything where I have to speak in front of like a congressperson or a congressional person and um, get their attention. So I've actually spoken in front of our, our current governor. He was um, campaigning to be governor previously. Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker. Yep. That's right. And speaking to him was um, interesting because he's such a South Boston boy. And getting a chance to really hear his story and his upbringing and what a lot of uh, people don't get a chance to do is relate to each other. So when I had a chance to speak to him, I was actually working with a um, nonprofit called Converse. Uh, Converse, it was, oh gosh, what was it called? This is not the uh, sneaker brand. Yeah, not the, the sneaker way. brand, right. but it was a nonprofit that the sneaker brand actually funded. Okay. So it was a Converse Open House. That's what it was called. Got it. And it was a basketball um, competition. Uh And they did the competition over at the Reggie Lewis Center. Nice. And Charlie Baker um, came through because he wanted to meet with the kids and he wanted to, you know, get a chance to shake hands, kiss babies, all that good stuff. (laughs) And uh, I got a chance to actually present the nonprofit to him so that he would understand the importance of the Reggie Lewis Center, which is uh, built off of one of this Boston Celtics, Reggie Lewis, who had passed away. He had a heart attack while playing, and basketball is what kept him out of the streets. And I felt it was important um, to make sure that anyone running for a position understood the importance of the arts and sports and um uh, other special um, elected classes, art classes that children need. No matter what income level you're at, they need to still be kids. And I felt that, that was true. important. So that was really cool, getting a chance to speak publicly with him. That is cool. You know, I mean, it just gives you an idea of how respected you become as, you know, someone who creates the content and hosts, but you can have that foot in the door. Yeah. Talking to major local political figures, mm-hmm. such as our governor, Charlie Baker. Yes. You know, it's very, very cool. And speaking of things, very, very cool, y'all, in case you're locking in right now, this is the CHOP session. I have the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We're talking with Britt Johnson, the boss lady. Hi. Hey. <laughs> and by the way, y'all, in case you are, you know, locking in late for this episode and you missed part of it, or if you ever slipped in a past episode of the show, we got you. Say less. Check out every episode of The Chop Session wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and you can catch every episode of our show to date, including this one with Britt Johnson, the boss lady. Yes. And speaking of the boss lady, mm-hmm. let's now move on to real estate. Mm-hmm. Now, real estate is something that I was not associating Britt Johnson with in the beginning. Right. <laughs> but now it's a big part of your hustle. Yes. Let's talk now about Britt Johnson, the boss lady, real estate agent. Yes. So the way I kind of got into real estate is interesting. Um, A very close friend of mine. So I, I have the real estate and I have a small business and my small business focuses on image consulting and branding. So I really work with um, startup businesses for both adults and youth. 
So uh, my friend had acquired a insurance company and she needed some help with um, secretarial work, but also uh, marketing and advertising and really spreading the word about the insurance company that she had just acquired. Um, Someone had passed away and she got a hold of the business. And when I stepped into the office and just kind of trying to help her get everything organized and get the paperwork and stuff in order so that once, you know, all of your operations are organized, it's easier to start than advertising because you know what you need to advertise to get more business. So one day we were in the office and she's like, oh, I have to run. I I, I need to go grab some food and, and I need to go and I, I got to do this open house. And she's like, can you do the open house for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do the open house. And then she's like, oh, my God, but wait, you can't. You don't have a real estate license. <clears throat> and, of course, being a businesswoman, I was like, why do I need a real estate license? And she's like, well, for you to be able to do the open house, even just to open the door and show people you have to have a real estate license. I said, sounds good. I guess I'll be getting my real estate license. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what kind of drives my passion for real estate now is the fact that, you know, I was fortunate enough to live with my grandparents, but they owned their own home. And when my grandparents passed away, we had to sell their home. We had to. And knowing what I know today, I would have done everything in my power to have kept that home because that is how this country has built generational wealth. Yes. And if you don't come from home ownership, it's hard to really appreciate that and understand that. So where a lot of families that might have generations that have grown up in low-income housing or in government housing, um, trying to get them to understand the value of home ownership because there's a lot of fear in in being an owner. Yeah. And you speak to all age groups on generational wealth and budgeting and investing and Mm -hmm. ownership. You know, I mean, if you could drop a little bit of knowledge for sure on our listeners right now, for sure about investing and budgeting. Yes, what would be one quick lesson you could teach our audience about that? So, a very quick lesson um, on budgeting. Most people, especially since we're in an age of technology, right, we don't frequently look at our bank accounts as much as we used to when we were using checkbooks and balancing on paper, right. So what I encourage people to do is once a month, you should schedule it on your calendar, set an alert, and actually check your balance. Check and see how you're spending. That way you know what your 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 expenses are and check and see what your income is. And when you do that, you really get a chance to see if you're living above your means, at your means, or below your means. Right. And what that means for anyone who who might not understand, living above your means means that you tend to constantly be living like check to check, where you'll receive income and then you're spending it either on yourself or on bills and there's not an opportunity to really save, right? And you've got people of all income levels that are doing this. You have millionaires that go broke and then they get their million again and then they go broke. And it's because they're not looking at their expenses and really tracking that so that they leave space and time to be able to save. Right. And I always tell people, you can't save if you're not spending to save. 
So people are like, oh, what does that mean? Like I, I can save, but something happens and then I have to spend it. And that's a good thing. Because what people don't realize is if you can say, I saved up $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, and then my car got hit, or and then I had this extreme bill all of a sudden I have to pay, or I have to move and I had to spend all that money. But understanding that you were able to build up that money and whatever habits you used, just do it again. Makes sense. Yeah. It does. So that's where your your budgeting kind of comes in. And then you have your investing, right? Yes. Oh, my God. So for people who know me and that follow and listen to some of my stuff, um, every Tuesday, you can actually well, next year, starting January 2020, and you guys are the first to kind of hear this. Hey, exclusive, <laughs> y'all. You it. will catch me on um, Mook in the Morning Show. And you can find that on Instagram. It's from uh, 9 to 10. But the entire show is on Wu World Radio. Yes, Wu-Tang. So I'm part of the family now. Nice. The Wu-Tang family. The Wu-Tang family. Excellent. Yes. So I'm excited about that. And um, the show is really from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. But the 9 to 10 is on Instagram Live. So what I do is I encourage people to um, look at stocks, look at what it is that you buy, look at what it is that you like to do. Some people like to travel, look into uh, airline stocks, look into cruise stocks. And for people who really paid attention to some of these things, I was promoting Tesla stocks like crazy only because Tesla was one of the first that I invested in. And it's because I'm into technology. I'm really into like, what's the next thing? How are we, you know, uh, back to the future. Remember back to the future? Of course. And there's all this cool technology and, and <laughs> the fact that we had hoverboards, but we're still walking. And the fact that we're not floating places. I'm like, listen, we're the kids of the 90s. We came up with so many ideas. Definitely. And we should be there. But I really loved how Tesla took that technology and made the electric cars and then people just didn't invest in it fast enough. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to really move. Yeah. So about a decade ago, I had bought some Tesla stock and I, you know, without fear, that's really what it is. There's long-term investing where you take some money, you throw it into a stock, or you can reach out to an investment person that can advise you, throw it into a stock and you set it and forget it. Don't think about it. And now my Tesla stock had gone from $200 a share to $400 a share to now $1,000 a share. For any of you that don't know, Hertz just purchased a shitload of Teslas. Right. So now Hertz will be renting Teslas on a regular basis. And the spokesperson, and you guys can look up this commercial online, is none only than our Tom Brady. There you go. And I'm like, hairs are sticking up. All electric. Oh, this and feels so good. He's also hawking uh, Subway sandwiches right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Subway sandwiches in the new Tessie. That's the that's the route right now. Exactly. <laughs> Rented by Hertz. So um, so you know when it comes to understanding finances because. It's not something that's taught in elementary school. It's not taught in high schools. And you have to go to college and be interested in finances to even learn it then. Right. 
But I feel like our economy would be so much better if people had an opportunity to understand their income and not just make it and spend it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. You know, you can learn so much from this lady about, <laughs> you know, investing, budgeting, ownership. You know, she's got her shit down, you guys. You know, follow along. You might learn something. That's right. You know, no <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, so... Now let's talk about Britt Johnson in real estate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Back to that now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we actually recently had Lisa Batista mm -hmm. on our show who also works with a real estate, in this case, Evo Real Estate. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you have this flourishing future, you know, straight from real estate, you mm -hmm. know. So let's talk about, you know, some advice you could give people out there about real estate, you know, people that may not have the A to Z on that. Right. They could use some expert advice. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to our audience out there about real estate? What kind of advice could you offer? So let's give the audience out there a quick 101. Okay. A quick cliff notes, if you will. Okay. About real estate. About real estate. Okay. So for any of you out there, and this is one of the first things, um, I, I had a chance to work with some uh, Madison Park development kids over the summer. And literally, this is what they were doing, Real Estate 101. I was turning them into real estate professionals, right? Not just agents, not just investors, but professionals and understanding. So one of the things they learned and debunking, a lot of people are afraid to work with a real estate agent because they're like, how much do I have to pay you? And you don't have to pay the real estate agent anything. What happens in, in real estate agents, it's really a commission-based job. So you, real estate agents actually don't get paid until the end of the transaction. So no fear in working with a real estate agent. You just want a real estate agent that cares because otherwise you can get lost in the sauce and you can get misinformation. I had a client say to me literally last night, that his real estate agent told him that his deposit that he would put down with an offer, he could potentially lose that. Oh, my God. So comments like that will scare somebody from getting interested in real estate if they're like, I could lose my money just off the jump of wanting to put in an offer. And the fact is, this is how it goes, right? First, you clean up your credit, clean up your debt. If you guys want to contact me, feel free. I'm just going to throw this out there. 617-910-0216. There it is. <laughs> but first you want to do is clean up your debt, right? You want to get as much off your credit report as possible because you want to get what's called a pre-approval. Now, some people will say, I want to buy a house or a piece of property that is X number of dollars. And the reason I tell people, don't do that. Don't, don't disappoint yourself because the bank is going to tell you how much they will give you. Right. And that's what the pre-approval is. Yes. The bank will ask you for your taxes, for your bank statements, for your um, pay stubs, and then they'll do a credit check. And all of those things together will get you your pre-approval. And that is your money. That's your money to start shopping and looking at properties. I still encourage people, go to open houses. You know, go to open houses for condos, go to open houses for single families, go to open houses for multifamilies. Get familiar with the market the same yes. way you will with your sneakers. Yes. You know, you like the Jordans, you like the the Adidas, you like the, whatever you like, right? If you're a red bottom person, you're familiar with that industry. 
get familiar with the market when it comes to property. That way you know what you're looking for and you know what you like. Some people are like, I don't really want a single family. I want a condo because I don't want to do all the work. Right. Some people don't want the condo because they think there's not enough value in owning a condo. Yeah. So I have some luxury condos coming on the market, guys. If you want to know more about the value of owning a condo, please hit me up. So basically, when you own a condo, you are sharing in some of the expenses with anyone else in that building, such as um, the master expenses, the overhead, the roof, the exterior, anything on the outside of the property. Um, Also landscaping, different things like that. You're sharing those expenses. Yeah. And you would get your own insurance for the interior. So anything inside of your unit is what you would get additional insurance for. But you have a master insurance, and that's part of your condo association fees. So you have your pre-approval. Now you can go shopping. Go to open houses and see what you like. Reach out to me as your real estate agent so I can set you up to go and look at some properties. Then you find a property you like, and you put in what's called an offer. When you put in your offer, there's a couple of things they're going to need. They're going to need your pre-approval. They're going to need your um, deposit to hold the house off the market. And they're going to need your offer. So you can get creative with your offer by talking with your agent and talking with your lender. I also tell people, you can get more than one pre-approval from more than one place. And that's because one uh, bank, credit union, or mortgage company might have a different product from the next one. So the products that these banks have are the different types of loans, as if you're going grocery shopping, right? You go to one store, so that's like the bank, but you have all these products inside. That one bank has a variety of products inside. That one mortgage company has a variety of products inside. So they will see which product best works for you and your income. When you send all this information with your offer, you are going to send $1,000 to hold the property off the market. But your bank would have also told you how much you needed to put down in terms of your full deposit, okay? This portion of your deposit, the rest of the deposit goes with your purchase and sale agreement. Purchase and sale agreement is the promise that you're going to buy it and the promise from the seller that they're going to sell it to you and not to somebody else. Back in the day, people used to make these contracts and then last minute they'd have somebody's money but be selling it to another person. So these are all protections to save you. People who are on your team as a buyer or as a seller, you have your agent on your team, you have your attorney on your team, and you have your bank person on your team. They're all there to help. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, that's a just a, a scratch of the surface, if you will. Scratch of the surface. Of the knowledge that Britt Johnson carries in the field of real estate. Yes. Okay. Now, before we go this week, here's one thing I want to touch upon at length. One more accolade on the Britt Johnson resume. Mm-hmm. Britt Johnson activist. Yes. Okay. You do mm-hmm. so much great activism work out here in our community, Britt. Mm-hmm. I want to know, you know, what inspired you to get involved in activism? Yeah. So that stems back from childhood and um, my grandparents. And just I feel like people who had relationships with their parents was great. And people that had relationships with their grandparents was just awesome and amazing. 
because you had the knowledge of the older generation, right? You also had the older generation that had certain fears and wanted to make sure that you were always educated in how to conduct yourself, right? So knowing how to, quote unquote, conduct myself around different um, people, around different authoritative figures, and realizing that no matter how you conduct yourself, sometimes it's not your actions that get you in trouble. Unfortunately, it's what you look like that does. Unfortunately, that's true. So just really recognizing that. And I've been blessed to be around um, amazing people of all nationalities, all backgrounds that have had my back, um, white people, Spanish-speaking people, Asian people, you know, of course, my black people that have just always had my back and, and they share their stories with me. So whenever I hear a story from someone, um, whether it's a white family who's adopted a black child or they have a, a friend of the family who they're trying to understand how to build a better relationship with that friend of the family because they're a person of color. Or if it's, um, you know, a mom who who who's shared with me the fact that she might have had a son that had an involvement with a police officer. And, you know, because the son looked older than he was, the police officer thought he was older than he was and didn't treat him as a minor, which, you know, kids are kids. So if they're getting roughed up by somebody as a child, they're naturally going to fight back. So do adults. Right. So, you know, these things unfortunately happen and I think people are, are willing to become more comfortable with having conversations around where do these fears come from when it comes to, to brown skin or black people. And I think um, as an activist, God's put me here to let people feel comfortable having these conversations with me. Sure. And um, as an activist, I feel like it's my job to not be so much the fighter, but be the diplomat. Yeah. I am very diplomatic. I'm very conversational. That you are. Um, very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm willing to listen to both sides because it's a lack of knowledge and it's, it's social programming. Right. And <clears throat> if we were to go back and we, we think about people who were enslaved and we think about people who, um, uh, supervised the enslaved people prior to slavery you had cultures that were all mixed up that worked and lived and 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 had relations together that's true and then a social programming was created and that social programming was trade so we go yeah. back to business right yes and the social trade was human trafficking, if we were to use the words that we use today. And that human trafficking created a, a very profitable system and programmed people that were enslaved and programmed people that were not enslaved to believe that because of the color of your skin, you're either one or you're the other. When at the end of the day, we all bleed the same. We all have the same number of limbs, most of us. <laughs> we have two eyes, one nose, one mouth, you know, two hands, two, like we're the same. But to consider that someone is different because of the color of their skin, 
I'm here to create conversations and let conversations happen where we can dialogue, you know, about this. And you're doing a great job of that. You know, let me tell you that, you know, so y'all, let me tell you, you know, in a world where people want to be an activist, want to call themselves an activist, you got to look for the ones who really do the work, Mm -hmm. you know, and do it consistently. And I can tell you now from knowing her for all these years, Britt Johnson is one of those folks who does it consistent, does it big, you know, does it with dedication and heart. Thank you. you know, but you knew this already. Thank you. You know, you knew this already. You know, so I guess the question now, I ask every guest this question, the 2022 Vision Board and mm. beyond for Britt Johnson. Right. Um, and it's funny because I said to a couple of people, I'm like, I want to do a vision board. I think you should do a vision board. Let's do vision boards. Because <laughs> I've never actually had a vision board, but I would love to um, have a vision board event. So that might be coming down the pipeline for 2022. And um, I see myself really meshing the different things that I do and making sure that they're not just organically happening, but that they have some synergy. They work together. They are able to complement each other. And um, I'm able to get onto a larger platform with all of the different side hustles that I do to make sure that um, not only can I prove to other people that look like me or that are from the same community that this is possible and they can do it as well, but also on the other end, people that don't look like me and that are not from my communities, that they give um, the opportunity to us. Absolutely. You know, and I'm excited for your future, Brittany. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, I appreciate you being with us this week here on the Chop Session. Thank you. Amazing to finally turn them tables on you. I know. I get nervous whenever I got to talk about myself. <laughs> well, you've done it well this week, Britt. Let me tell you. You've done it real well. You know, we really appreciate you pulling up this week to share your story with our listeners. You know, you got my ear, Sterling. You could call me. We had a random one-hour conversation about COVID. It was like... We did. Yeah, we we did. We We were like, this should be a show. (laughs) You are right about this. You are right about this. Speaking of random topics, Mm -hmm. before we go this week, I got to bring this up. There was a guest I had on the old Sterling Ecology Live morning show about Mm -hmm. two years ago that you were the liaison to. introduced me to her. Okay. And I discovered this week that she just secured yes. the Boston City Council yes. District 7. Yes. Let's talk about it. Miss Tanya Fernandez Anderson. Yes. yes. Congratulations to her. Congrats, Tanya. Yes. So um, when you first got a chance to meet her, she is the producer and designer and author of Blood and Fashion. That's right. So Tanya Anderson is um, multi-talented um, and her designing. Uh, so actually, you guys can go over to Boss Lady News on <clears throat> Facebook and you'll be able to see our interview um, and where I met her. I actually met her because I was on Dudley Street. Right. And I like to shop locally. So I found her boutique and I walked in and I'm like, oh, there's some cute stuff in the window. So I go in and um, and she comes walking out and she's, you know, she's got her, her Muslim attire on. Right. And I'm like, hmm, I was kind of thrown off because, 
there's a lot of sexy clothing in there. And I'm like, oh, I feel kind of weird because, you know, I want to make sure I respect people's cultures and, right. you know, their religions. Yes. And I'm just like, but this looks hot on me. Can you, like, fit it so it's a little bit more fitted here and there? And she's like, of course. And so it was really cool. And that's how I first met her. And then to find out that she's an amazing <laughs> designer, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And not just that, she's got such a creative mind as to turn her designs into a theatrical presentation. Right. That is that that covers social topics at that. Yes. And seeing the blood and fashion kind of come together was just an experience. And, and I was honored to have the opportunity to um, host that as well. And then seeing that she wanted to run for a political position. And I promise you, Sterling, you know, I stay away from politics. Yes. <laughs> I stay away. <laughs> That's true. Um, but definitely wanting to, you know, support a friend and really see before I support you in this politics side, what are you talking about? What is it yeah. that you want to see change? So what the synergy that it came to be was she has a passion to really um, look at our residential and living environment and real estate. Absolutely. You know, and now she is now on the Boston City Council. Yes. So big congratulations. Kudos. To Tanya Anderson securing it this past week. So what can yes. I say? Yes. Whoop, whoop. I'm so excited. excited. For the future yes. When so it comes excited. to Tanya Anderson. Yes. Absolutely. Speaking of the, of the future, y'all, next week here on the shop session, something very, very cool coming down the pike. He'll be on the line from New York City next week. His name is Dennis Wolock. Now, Dennis Wolock is an artist extraordinaire who actually was the liaison to connecting artist Ken Kelly to creating the iconic cover art for Destroyer, hmm. which was the fourth studio album from the hottest band in the world, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer's Kiss. Mm -hmm. On the 19th, uh, Universal Music drops the Destroyer Super Deluxe 45th Anniversary Box Collection. And... In lieu of that, Dennis Wolock will be on the line next week on the show talking about how he got Ken Kelly connected nice. to this project and other work he's done with not only Kiss but other artists over the years as well. So next week, Dennis Wolock is on the line on the shop session, Monday at 6 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Boston to Free Radio. The 22nd, we have Gene Dante in studio. And the 29th, we have Juliana Armani from... Band Inc. Mm -hmm. December 6th, we have the folks from Riviera Clothing Company. And for our season finale, December 13th, designer extraordinaire Samuel Vartan mm. will be in the studio, mm. which will be an unmissable show. But you can find Britt Johnson on social media. Yes, absolutely. You can Google. Boss Lady News. You can also find me on all social platforms, um, hashtag Boss Lady News. And you can feel free to reach out to me. You can text me. That's the fastest. 617-910-0216. Uh, there you go, y'all. Mm -hmm. And you can find the Chop Session on social media as well, on Instagram at Chop Session Show, and on Twitter at the Chop Session, and your man, the indefinable Sterling Golden, on Instagram at DJ Sterling Golden, and on Twitter at DJ Sterling Golden with one G, could not fit two in the handle. A lot of the characters. <laughs> this is the Chop Session, y'all. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. 
I say stop.